Last week I talked about self-stewardship, and part of that was about improving yourself. And I think probably the most important aspect of improving yourself and being a good steward of the life that you've been given is that the change that needs to take place in your life shouldn't just be coming from within you. And and even it shouldn't be primarily coming from within you. Instead, it should be coming from God guiding you, that God is showing you what to do with the life that he, has been, that he has given to you, and God showing you what in your life needs to be improved upon. And so in order for us to really be a good steward with what God has given to us and work through improving ourselves, we need to be able to hear from God and really be able to hone the skill of how we hear from God and making sure that we do so accurately. And so that's what I want to talk about today is, is really learning how to hear from God. And when you, Christians talk about, you know, how do you hear from God? And usually the answer you get is, well, read your Bible and pray. And although that is true, and we'll talk a little bit about why that is such a good thing to do in order to hear from God, sometimes we need a little more instruction than just that. And we need to kind of have some steps to go through and understand why those steps are important. So that's really what I want to do today, is not just say, read your Bible and pray, but to teach us how this process not only takes place, but also what it looks like, and to kind of highlight what this process looks like. I'm going to be kind of going through the story of how I decided to apply to be the pastor of the church where I'm at now, because that was a big decision that I had to make on whether or not I was going to apply to be the pastor there. So I'm going to be using that story and different parts from that story to show how I went through these steps in order to hear from God and let God guide me um, to show me whether or not it was his will for me to do that. So without further ado, let's dive into the first step, which is that you have to clear your heart. Clear your heart. And what does that term mean? Well, let's go to scripture to see what happens when we don't clear our heart to kind of see why this is important. So we're going to read uh, James chapter 4 verses 2 through 3. It says, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So here, James is admonishing some believers in the early church that when they ask for things from God, that they're doing so with wrong motives. And because they're asking with wrong motives, that God does not ask, uh, does not grant their request. He doesn't give them what they're asking for. And really, when we're talking about clearing your heart, what we're talking about is removing those selfish motives from ourselves. And David in the Bible understood the importance of having his heart cleared and realizing that that wasn't something that he could do through his own power. That was something he needed to let God do for him. In Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24, David says, Search me, God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So here we can see how David is asking God, search me, know my heart, remove the things from me that will get in the way of me doing what you want me to do. And so in these verses, we can see how selfish motives can prevent us from hearing God, that those things that we want to happen, we want it to turn out a certain way, gets in the way of us being able to hear what God wants to do in the situation. And so we clear our heart by setting those selfish motives and desires aside and saying, okay, God, this isn't about me. This is about you. So take away these things of mine that will get in the way of what you want to do so that I can most accurately hear your voice and know and understand what it is that you want me to do. So, going to the story of me becoming the pastor at the church where I'm at now. I've talked a little bit before about how I was a youth pastor at a church for two and a half years before I came to the church where I am now, and that in the process of being let go from that church, that I felt that there were certain things that weren't handled well, and honestly, uh, kind of hurt me through that process. And, you know... Though that was something that I needed to deal with. And it was around that time that I started this uh, podcast, actually several months later that I began this podcast to kind of get my voice out into the world. But I was in this place where I was still kind of dealing with the hurt from the previous church, and I needed to be able to let that go before I was able to be the pastor of the church where I'm at now. And so in the months that took place, I think it was about a year between being let go from that first church and coming to be the pastor of the second church, that time allowed me time to heal from that hurt and to let God uh, take away any bitterness or resent that I may have had and let forgiveness come into my heart so that I could let go of that hurt and not carry that baggage into where I am now. Because if I brought that baggage with me, then it would have affected the way that I saw the people there. It would have affected the way that I did ministry there. And so I needed that process, that time, in order to clear my heart of that previous hurt. And then even later on, when I was just about to apply for this position at the new church, my wife and I had to sit down and have a conversation about whether or not we were doing so with the right motives. Because it was just a block away from us, and we were in a spot where, honestly, the extra money wouldn't hurt. And so we had to ask ourselves, well, are we applying for this position because it's easy and it's convenient or because it's what God wants us to do. And we wrestled with that for a long time because we needed to set that aside of, oh, well, this is convenient. It's easy for us. It's nice. It seems to fit really well. And, and so let's just go with it because of that. We needed to set those selfish motives and desires aside and say, okay, God, we want to make sure that this isn't from us, that we're not just doing it because it's easy and convenient but that we're doing this because it's your plan, it's what you want us to do. 
And that really is the first step to be able to hear what God has for us, is to get rid of all the junk in our own heart that could get in the way. So step one is clear your heart. Step number two is the step of read your Bible and pray, because step two is to listen and to study. To listen to God in prayer and to study his word, the Bible, scripture, to hear what it is that God has for us and what God is trying to say to us. So let's look at some scripture about why this is important and how we need to be listening and studying. Beginning with Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, Jesus said, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So here Jesus is saying, Look, when you pray, don't go and make a spectacle of it, and don't just ramble on and on and on. Instead, you should have these quiet times away from everything and everyone, all the other stuff in the world. Time set aside for you to quiet your soul, quiet your spirit, and be able to not just tell God all the things that you want, but even to take time to stop talking for a while and listen. Because you can't hear what someone is saying when you're trying to talk over them. And if we want to hear what God is trying to say to us, we need to be able to listen to what it is that he is trying to say. Take that time, quiet your soul, and listen. And that's why prayer is important, because it then opens up that time for God to speak to you. And what about studying God's word? Well, we've got 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 to talk about that. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So those verses are saying, Whatever the situation is that you are wrestling with, whatever you're trying to understand and deal with, there is scripture to help you deal with that. All of scripture is useful. And when you study it and see how it all connects together and it all fits together, that that will then let you be able to see okay, I now know how to apply this to my life because I see it from all of these different perspectives shown all throughout Scripture, so I can now look at my situation from all of those different perspectives that Scripture is giving to me to best understand how to deal with it. And so we listen to God in prayer, and we study His words that He has given to us. And these two things... Uh, really connect so well and blend together to help us understand God in a more powerful way. And that way that those two connect and what that does for us is seen really clearly in John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. 
I know them, and they follow me. Talking about how a sheep hears the shepherd's voice and is able to recognize that voice out of all other voices because of the close connection that the sheep have with the shepherd. And it's the same way when we spend time in prayer, talking to God, both speaking and listening, and we study his words, seeing all that he has done throughout the entire history of the world, seeing how he acts, what he says, how he says it, all of these things, it helps us to understand God better. And when we understand God better, we are better able to recognize the words that he speaks to us. Because I believe that God is always speaking to us. But sometimes we either don't hear him speaking, or we're not able to recognize his words. Sometimes because it's cluttered up by all the other words that are in our life, and all the other people's opinions that are in our life, and all of society's pressures, and all of these other things that get in the way. But when we spend time in prayer and scripture, we get to understand God better, and that then helps us to recognize his words when he is speaking to us in order to help us specifically with the situation that we're dealing with. So again, let's go back to my situation. Should I or should I not apply to be the pastor of this church? Now, I've mentioned that the church was very close by. In fact, it was just a block away. And as I was praying and talking to God about this, God, is this something you want me to do? Is this not something you want me to do? As I was having this kind of quiet time of prayer, God brought up something into my mind. He brought up to me the heart that I had when I was in college. Because when I was in college, there was something that laid heavy on my heart. It was the fact that people would drive by church after church after church on Sunday mornings in order to get to the one church that they liked. And the one church that they thought was a healthy church and a church that was good for them. And that always, uh, when, when I was in college, that really kind of wrenched my heart. And I started to ask myself, well, what would it look like if every single church was healthy? That people didn't have to drive by church after church after church in order to get to one that was good and healthy, but they could all connect to whatever place was closer. How wonderful of a thing would that be? And so I had this desire to just connect to a church close by wherever I ended up, and especially a church that was not healthy, a church that was struggling, in order to come and kind of bring new life of Christ into that church, a church that needed help and was close by. And that was exactly the situation that I ended up with, that this church that I was trying to decide whether or not to apply to be the pastor of was right down the street, right around the corner, and that it was struggling. They were losing people, there was conflict, and they needed someone to come in and bring the light of Christ and new life into that church. And God brought that up to my mind, something that I hadn't thought about for probably a couple years. All of a sudden, 
God brought it to my mind and realized it was a perfect fit with what I was dealing with. And so because I was having that quiet time listening for God, it allowed him to bring that up. And then it wasn't all smooth. Uh, There were definitely kind of critiques about me possibly being the new pastor. And, And probably the most significant one of those critiques was that I was young and inexperienced. I was in my uh, mid-late mid, mid 20s, and um, I'd never had a pastor, like a senior pastor position. I'd been a youth pastor, but that was it. That was all the experience that I, that I had. And this would be a completely different position than being a youth pastor. And so because I didn't have the experience and because I was young, that was one of the critiques against me. And I began to kind of ask myself, well, you know, that is, that's a valid point. And, and am I ready to step into that big of a position? But God reminded me of Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 7, where Jeremiah says, The Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And that verse was encouraging for me to recognize that it doesn't matter how young I am or how much experience that I have or don't have, because all that matters is that I am obedient to God, that I do what he tells me to do, and I say what he commands me to say. That was far more important than my age and experience. And so those things I was able to recognize as God speaking to me and encouraging me and reassuring me that this was his will through that process of reading your Bible and praying, listening and studying, understanding God better and recognizing his voice. So step one, clear your heart. Step two, listen and study. Now let's move on to step number three, which is check with your friends. Check with friends. And by friends, I'm talking about people that know you and that know God. Other believers that are not strangers, that are walking through your life with you, that you're sharing your life with, that can then double check to see whether or not You are hearing God correctly, and that's part of how the body of Christ is meant to operate. And Scripture is very clear about the power that comes from believers gathering together. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 9 through 20, Jesus says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So here we're seeing God being able to speak as other people come together to support one another and verify that, okay, what you heard was from God. Or maybe, you know what, that doesn't really line up with what we know about scripture and what we've experienced in the path. So maybe you're messing something up here. Maybe you're hearing part of what God is saying, but you're missing another part. Um, And that's what can happen when other believers come together 
and, and you check what you believe you are hearing with other people. And this concept of, of two or three coming together to kind of give the final word isn't only a New Testament thing. It can be seen back in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, it says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And this was a law that was put in place. It was part of the Mosaic law. So that one person couldn't just accuse somebody of a crime and and be judged by that one person. It's, uh, it says, you know, get two or three people's testimony in order to verify this. And that's good for a couple reasons. First, because as we've already talked about, sometimes somebody's motive is not clear. Their heart is not clear. They're doing things with selfish, wrong motives. And that needs to be addressed first before whatever is said is said. And also... By having two or three other witnesses, what you can verify is that uh, that one person's perspective lines up with other people's perspectives. Because sometimes what can happen is we get a little too far into our own head and can convince ourselves of things that really don't make a lot of sense. But because we're not bouncing our ideas off of anyone else, we're just kind of up there in our own head talking to ourselves and sometimes convincing ourselves of something, that it's easy for us to get off track with just our perspective alone. And when we bring other perspectives into that, then what that does is not only does that provide accountability, but it can also provide clarity. And so that's why it's important that when you believe you've received a word from God, to check with your uh, check with your friends, check with other believers, check with people that know both you and God, so that they can bring that accountability and clarity that comes through other believers. So, again, back to my story. How did I kind of check with friends? How did I, how did I base uh, or how did I listen to the Christians around me, the other believers who were around me? to see whether or not this pull I felt that God did want me to be the pastor of this church wasn't something that was coming from within me, but it was coming from within God. Now, I was really lucky in that the first instance of this kind of being verified with other believers came before I even asked. My wife and I had started to just kind of attend the church and not really telling anybody that I was a pastor or, or that I was interested in applying for the position or anything like that. And after service one Sunday, uh, one of the elders of the church came to me and asked me if I would be willing to preach. And again, I hadn't said that uh, I was a preacher and that or that I was... Uh, looking to be the pastor of the church, that I was deciding whether or not to apply, anything like that. But God spoke to this person to come and ask me to preach. And that's one of those things that is a lot more than just a coincidence. And so that was kind of the first um, verification I had from another believer. And of course I said, yeah, sure, I will preach because I didn't have a reason to say no. And so I began kind of preaching there fairly regularly, about once or twice a month that I would preach uh, at this church. 
And that was when I kind of had the second confirmation from the believers that were there because I received so much support from that congregation. People that enjoyed my messages, that said that it was having an impact on their life, and many, many people coming up to me privately saying that I should apply to be the pastor there. And so in that way, it kind of helped affirm that, okay, this wasn't just my own idea that I was having, but this was something that was being confirmed by the believers around me as well, and I was being encouraged in that. And that's the wonderful thing about, you know, checking with other believers that you heard from God correctly, is not only will they, you know, be able to tell us if we're wrong, but sometimes they can say, yeah, that's right on, you should go for it, and begin to encourage us and support us and say, hey, what can I do to help you with that? Um, and that encouragement and support can sometimes propel forward uh, what God is trying to work through you. So, recap. Step one, clear your heart. Step two, listen and study. Step three, check with friends. And that leads us to our final step, step four, which is to try it. Whatever God is telling you to do, try it. And don't just try it, but try it whole heartedly. Don't just say, well, you know, I'll kind of dabble in this here and there and, and you know, kind of put one foot in the water and keep one foot on dry ground. No, no, no. Try it with everything you've got. Scripture is very clear that if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Put your whole self into it. Another verse that says basically the same thing is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Now, that does get a little morbid towards the end. You know, it's not a very cheerful verse. But essentially what it's saying is, look, after this life, there's no more work to be done. Whether you go to heaven or hell, there's not going to be work there waiting for you. Especially not the work of the kingdom of God. So what are you saving your energy for, if not to do the work that God is calling you to do now? Don't waste it. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Don't sit there and wait for the best circumstance to come along. Do something now. And give it the absolute best that you have. Now, it's super important that when we do what God has asked us to do, that we do it to the best of our ability, not just because God asks us to, and it shows a faithfulness um, to God in that, but also because of how important the outcome is. Because if we don't give a task our all that God has asked us to do, 
then we will be sitting there left wondering, well, if I had done this better, if I had put more effort into it, would it have succeeded instead of failing? And you never know for sure. But let's say you put a hundred percent into whatever God has asked you to do. You do it to the best of your ability and it fails. What then? Well, in order to answer that question, let's go back to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 19 through 22. Because originally, the outcome of what somebody believes they heard from God and put into practice became a test to whether or not they actually did hear from God. So this passage, God is talking, he says, I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. So in the Old Testament, this actually was the test for whether or not a prophet actually heard from God. Did what he say happen? And if it didn't, then he did not hear from God. And in the Old Testament, they were then put to death. Now, thankfully, we're a little more forgiving nowadays. And so if you think you heard from God and you do what God has asked you to do and it fails, you're not going to be put to death. But what that then shows you is that you misheard from God. And what you thought you heard, you did not hear correctly. And maybe you got a piece of something from God, but you missed another piece. Because if it's from God, it will succeed. It will be fruitful. God does not make mistakes. And again, this is going back to why it's so important that you not only do what God has asked you to do or say what God has asked you to say, but you do so wholeheartedly. So that in this moment, you're not saying, well, if I had done more, if I had, if I had put more focus, more effort into this, would it then have succeeded? Because if you can say, no, I gave it my best shot, I did it to the best of my ability, but it didn't work, then you can tell that you did not hear from God correctly. And then you can go back and say, okay, well, what did I do wrong, and how can I do it differently next time to make sure that I do hear from God correctly. And then, of course, the flip side is also true. That if you do it to the best of your ability and it succeeds, what a testament and encouragement that is to know that you did hear from God. And then you can recognize what that process felt like and that it was God speaking to you so that you can do it again in the future. But you try it wholeheartedly. And that's exactly what I did. See, when I applied to be the pastor of this church, I still did not know 100% for sure that it was God's will. Because I'd been following these steps, and you know, not 
in any particular order, but I was, I was doing these things and I felt like my heart was clear. I believed that God was telling me it was true. I was getting confirmation from other people. I may have still not known 100%, but I believed enough to try it. And this is where it truly does then become a step of faith, where we don't know for sure, but we believe that it is God speaking to us. And so we'll give it a shot. And that willingness to try it, even if you're not 100% sure, but you believe that God is speaking to you. To have the faith to step out and try it with everything you've got. That is what it means to walk by faith. And then by the outcome, you can see whether or not it was God at work. And the longer that I've been at this church, the stronger and stronger I believe that it was God's will for me to be the pastor there. And what an encouragement that has been for me. But it's something you have to try, and the more you go through this process, and the more outcomes you can look at to say, okay, well, this wasn't from God, and this was from God, what you're doing then is you're practicing the skill of hearing from God. And hearing from God really is a skill that anyone can practice. And the more you practice it, the more able you will be able to recognize when God is speaking to you and to hear it clearly so that you can do what God is asking you to do. So step one, clear your heart. Step two, listen and study. Step three, check with friends. Step four, try it wholeheartedly. This is the process that builds the skill of being able to hear from God and let God lead you in his paths. So, until next time, this has been another Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions about anything I've talked about, feel free to contact me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this uh, with other people to help get the message out there. And until next time, thank you for listening, and I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.